There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Not sure either team deserves to win this. Bentelev for Kane. Threading that one through and Dyer is in here. Dyer on his debut wins it for Tottenham Hotspur. How about this for a story? Eric Dyer, 20 years of age, on his Tottenham Hotspur debut, starts the day at centre half, spent most of the afternoon playing at right back. Well, he's finished up winning the game for Tottenham Hotspur in the third minute of injury time. Well, they weren't that busy in the transfer market over summer, Tottenham Hotspur, unlike 12 months ago. But Pochettino has started with a victory against the odds. And welcome to Rule the Roost Podcast. I'm your host, Tetrunk, and joining me this week is Raj Baines. Hello, Raj Baines. How are you doing? Why do you sound like a game show presenter? Keith Chegwin, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> what, did, what did he present? Naked Jungle. In that genuinely, no, the only reason I really know of him is because of extras, to be honest. Well, it, I think it's a knockout was his big thing. That's way before my time, even, mate. Like, that's like. 70s um but yeah no, they, huh? english english version of takeshi's castle yeah yeah basically I, th- I think he had some sort of part of that um and then he was just some other sort of minor celebrity pleb but then he did this thing um when channel five first got launched called naked jungle where it's basically like crystal maze but <laughs> all the contestants were naked including keith chegwin who presented it naked and let's just say he uh he definitely wasn't Ian Botham sized. Um, he he had nothing to be getting naked about at all. Did you see Ian Botham's big willy today? Um, I did see Ian Botham uh, naked picture. Yeah, it was quite unsettling to see a man of that age uh, <laughs> <laughs> in that sort of. I think one of my favourite tweets about the whole incident throughout the day was uh, um, <laughs> Ian Botham's ball bags being approached. By an agent to start up its own Keith Richards tribute act. So, uh, or Keith Richards looking like whatever, something like that. Yeah, I haven't delivered that one very well, have I? Fuck you. Um, How did you get that angle? That's that's what I was uh, most impressed by because I'm quite a tall person, so being able to stretch my arm down that far to get that sort of lengthways angle is uh, it's quite an achievement. He's, he's not a small block either. Long, <laughs> no pun long intended. Arms. Um, yeah, so. Um, it's quite a feat, um, as I say. It's, it's not something I'd want uh, sending to me. 
a similar feat as well is that I uh, I sent him a message basically calling him a dirty old dog, and that got picked up by Yahoo Sport. Yeah, so there you go. Ted Trunk featured in Yahoo Sport for being a troll. That's something. Yahoo. So my editor. Yahoo. 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 Yeah, that's how I see Yahoo. it. You, not, not Yahoo. Yahoo sounds a bit twee, doesn't it? Yahoo. It sounds like a Scot. It sounds yeah. like a Scottish person asking who you are, doesn't it? It's like a completely uh, not homophobic when I say this. It's like a very camp way of saying Yahoo, isn't it? Yahoo! Um, yeah, which go. goes along with your personality, though. Being... It does. I'm quite camp. I, I, I will I will concede that. Um, so there we go. We don't need to say much more on that. Um, <laughs> I also got tweeted. This is a nice segue. I got tweeted today by none other by Mr. Eric Dyer. And we can, I can say that now. Because I asked him, I said, hey, is it dire, dear, or dear? And uh, he said, the first one. That was his reply to me. But it, th- it threw me a bit because after that point, I just I replied with cheers. And people were like, yeah, way to keep it cool, Trunk, you know. But um, it did throw me because I didn't, I didn't ex- expect an answer. But, you know, sometimes talking to young men on the internet isn't always a bad thing for uh Late 20s something, is it? Maybe. I think it's called grooming, isn't it? Well, we wouldn't be in this position if I hadn't groomed you, so, you know. <laughs> well, I am a similar age to Eric Dyer, as we now know he's called. I still so, want to um, say Dier, though, you know? I don't know. I still do as well, just because it's spelt funny. Right, fuck, fuck how his name's produced. What a fucking hero. What a, we heard at the start <laughs> of the show, what a way to open the show, what a way to open your Tottenham career. But fucking, if that boy didn't get a fucking blowjob that night, seriously, the world is an unjust place. Well, we all know the world's an unjust place, but how how fucking fantastic a debut was that? Yeah, um, it was. It made it even better, given the fact that I think 90% of us halfway through that game couldn't see us getting out of it with anything more than a draw. And <laughs> uh, <laughs> the, the tradition of... Uh, going to West Ham now and winning in the last minute is is becoming quite a favourite of mine. Oh, it's, um, it's just delicious. Uh, do, do you know what the thing is? After last season, that sting of reality kicked in. It was like, hang on, you know, we have probably taken for granted how nice it is to beat this lot because they are horrible. Like, they're such a horrible club. You've got such horrible fans, Sam Dis included. Um And it's, it's just like, you know, we just, we just took it as, you know, part of the course, we beat West Ham. So what? And then we kind of came back down to reality with a bit of a thud last year, like Man United fans did. Um, just like, shit, we, we're not invincible. Man, uh, like West Ham can still embarrass us. And they, let's not take it away from them, they fucking embarrassed us last year. But what a way to come back. And what, what a way to just remember, actually, actually, this does mean something. It's so nice winning these London derbies, especially like the smelly derbies against teams like them. It's just, oh God, I loved it. Yeah. I think the game itself, I think the win overshadowed uh, the game itself because it wasn't the greatest advert for the game in <laughs> the greatest league in the world. No. Um, I mean, some of the some of the notes I made for the game were, you know, mainly based around how good Hugo Lloris was and the fact that I wanted him made captain. Um, what did you make of the, the penalty? Because that's been um, quite a few people have, you know, uh, even though it was missed, it's been a, a talking point, as it were. I kind of I got a bit weird and knee jerk about it, like you know, unlike me, um, as as the show's resident cheerleader, as I've been dubbed. Um, 
But uh, immediately I thought, it, you know, it's a penalty. It is a penalty. His arms are up in the air. Like, it, whether or not we agree um, with the rules as per, you know, what's a natural hand position, how does someone jump and leverage their body weight, and yada, yada, yada. The rules are the rules. His hands are away from his body. The ball hit them. It's a penalty. I said straight away, though, I don't see how that's a red card. But then the point was made back to me, well, if he hasn't deliberately handballed it, then it's not a penalty. But because the referees are judged that he's deliberately handballed that, blocked a shot on goal, um, which it does seem to be from the replay, I can't really argue the fact that it was a penalty and a red card. I, you know, I don't know if I agree fully with the rules. I don't think Carl Norton has put his hands up in the air and said, I want to stop this ball. I think he's just jumped in and his hands are flailing. I'm actually flailing my arms around as I, as I talk at the moment. You can't, you can't see that, I know, but I just thought I'd add some context. Um, but it's, yeah, I think it's a penalty and it's a red card, unfortunately. Um, for me, um, I could see the reason why the penalty was given. Uh, the red card was, again, for me, contentious. The thing I always try and bear in mind when I look at refereeing decisions is that in most rules, the caveat is given that the referee should take into into context um, the, the way in which the event has occurred. Mm. And um, he's got, uh, what's the word, he's got his own uh, his own discretion on, on, on the event. So there'll be the, the referee's assessor in the stand as well. But the, the reason I think it was a red card, and this is probably me reading too much into it, is the fact that it was the first weekend of the season. So he's gone technically by the letter of the law, but if that was two or three months down the line, yeah. and that happened in a similar game, him and he was more confident in his performance. He knew he was an established Premier League referee that season, and um, you know he felt a bit more confident within within the games and the players he was he was looking after. It's like um, that old. Uh, it's like you know when you when you're at secondary school, first week new textbook, every single like the first new pages of the book are all like sparkling. They're all neat. Everything's all aligned. You have got your date and you've underruled it. You know everything like that. But then cut to like five pages in, two weeks into term. It's all over the place. There's dicks drawn in it. There's bogeys wiped in it a lot. So that's uh, that's what I think of Chris Foy. There you go. Or Chris Hoy. Yeah. One. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's he's got a record of of being quite poor with us. I mean, that that one game with Stoke a few seasons ago, where still is uh, sets out in my mind of a, a really poor refereeing performance uh, when we lost two one there. But um, I can see why he's given it. It's something I don't think I entirely agree with, and still don't. Um, but you know, it's, 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 he still missed it, Mark Noble, um, and the Poundland footballer that he is. <laughs> and, um, I love it when you <laughs> say that. Yeah, and uh, I made a note about Danny Rose because um, I thought he was actually quite good. Ben Davies to play personally, but I think maybe doing that thing that AVB did and phase players in, um, which is um, understandable. Um, Kabul. Was was quite shaky as well. He looked ring rusty. He was dreadful, um, wasn't he? Like, I think you're putting it quite nice. He's not a dreadful footballer. I mean, there's a lot of knee jerking on there. There's a, as is you know to be expected, really. But there's a lot of oh, he's past it. He's not this. He's not that. But you, you, you can tell that his absence has affected his game. He, he, you know, for anyone to get mugged off by Carlton Cole, you know they're they're, they're not having a good game. Yeah, completely agree. I think uh, Deer next to him had a, another impressive um, game um, after the the last preseason game at White Hart Lane, and he's he's kind of proven the fact that he's 
you come in to play in the first team rather than to play in the uh, under-21s because when he was first signed, it wasn't entirely clear whether or not he was going to yeah. flit in between the two or, or drop straight in to the starting lineup. And I think he's, he's pretty much picked himself for the next game. I mean, even when he moved over to right back, which might be even a, a blessing in disguise with Cal Norton suspended, is that he did a reasonable job there. He's he's a lot quicker than he may look. Um, he's got a slight um, Harry Kane-like uh, gormlessness to him, um, although he's he's fairly handsome as well, to, to give him credit. Um, but he got up, got up and down the, uh, the flank quite well, and his uh, ability on the ball, as, as Phil, Phil Neville was alluding to on match of the two, is, is very uh, composed, and he, he can pick a pass very well. I think they compared him to, to Rio Ferdinand, but I think that's slightly premature because Ferdinand was a much deeper, um, much more of a Tongan-like defender when he was in his prime, um, whereas Diaz seems a little bit happier to to kind of play his passes from where he is rather than carry the ball too much when he's sat at centre-back, which, you know, it's, it's just a personal preference to when you're playing, isn't it? Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. He, but he, he just... The goal aside, all those superlatives, as you're saying, like he he just looked composed. It, for for a young lad to be making like his debut in a, in an atmosphere like at the Bolin Ground, um, and just to perform the way he did um, was fantastic. He was he was you know it's really a credit to him. Yeah, um, the other things on my list were. Uh, Ericsson, um, he's he's not really done much since Pochettino's come in, which given that last season before we played a game under Pochettino, my main fear was of Ericsson becoming our version of Gaston Ramirez at Southampton, where he's, he's just not going to be able to do both facets of the Pochettino system. And mm. his, his job is now defensive and attacking, and that he's been, in a similar way to what Sherwood did, but in a lot more regimented fashion, he's been playing been told to play from a wider berth rather than starting centrally and everything going through him he doesn't look to have taken to it too well that's not to say that in time in fire and games he won't pick it up and he won't have the same impact as he was doing last season it's just it's, it's concerning that out of everyone our player of the season last year although I would have gone for Lloris uh, <laughs> um, he was you know he's, he's not started where he left off last season Um I think we we, we kind of need a player to come in on the left wing uh, as a left wing forward because I don't think we look entirely settled there. Um, Adibayor was again not not the greatest, but um, I think some of that may have been down to the fact that some of the play in behind him wasn't too quick. I know you, I know you're uh, not that big a fan, um, but don't no, don't you, I mean no I mean of uh, not of Adibayor. I was going to say of Townsend. Like don't. All right. Yeah, I know you're not, but like we, we did look like we had more purpose when he came on. Like his, I know, I know his his end product isn't quite there, and his his footballing intellect isn't isn't quite on par with players like Ericsson, um, or even Lennon, to be honest. Um, but his kind of his directness, it does it does disrupt the team, and it does make the opposition worry. And when you do have players like Ericsson operating around him as we saw because you know he, he fired off one shot which was really good forced their keeper into making a really good save but a few of the times it does actually seem as though he has learnt a little thus far like you know there were a few times where he made those direct surging runs into the West Ham half and then just kind of looked for options he got outside the box and looked for options and passed it across to Ericsson I believe for one chance and the other chance as well that he passed back for Bentaleb and Bentaleb had that purposeful shot as well but for me didn't offer 
much else throughout the game. But uh, is that Bentaleb? Yeah. Um, for me, I, I thought the Kapoor and Bentaleb uh, first band feel worked quite well. Uh, I think the the most encouraging part of Bentaleb's game is his appreciation of space. Uh, it's something that Xavi talks a lot about whenever he describes how he plays and I'm not making that comparison yeah I was going to say hey up lad like yeah I'm just uh, I'm just uh, explaining what the position thinks the hardest part of being a, a midfielder that sold you know intent and, and their, their, their purpose within the side is to recycle possession and to keep tempo going is to appreciate the space that's around you and to, to pick up the ball and be able to give it mm. and allow yourself to then be in a in a position to to receive the ball again, it's something that Luka Modric is exceptional at. But he he's a lot more dynamic than than even perhaps Xavi was towards the end of his career at Barcelona um, last season, um, for example. Um, but the thing about Bentaleb is he he's so young, but he's got almost the hardest part of his game already there. Uh, the, the the brain of it, the intelligence of it, is is fantastic, and I. Uh, very happy to to see that. So um, I think him and Kapu um, work really well together. Um, it was encouraging back from to, Kapu to, to, as well. He played well. He yeah, played it was really bloody well. Um, dare I say yeah, he played like he, a Sandro of old? Really? Well, yeah, he started last season. As he started this season, he was very encouraging back then as well. Um, I think that's something I pretty much say every time we talk about Kapu is how well he started when he first arrived at the club. I think that's something that's so criminally looked over just because you know how how revisionist some people can be when you know injuries stacked upon him and he came back he was slightly overweight he was slightly unfit he was having to play out of position at time <laughs> i can empathize with center back as he did again at the weekend <laughs> yeah and um <laughs> but now he, he he's got a good pre-season under his belt and again he looks at it um back to the the town's end point you made i actually agree with what you say about him having an impact i think that's that's probably his, his best um his best option for us is to bring him on as an impact substitute in a similar way to, to what we were doing with uh, Jermaine Defoe towards the end of his time with us uh, at the club. Um, all three Pochettino substitutions I actually think had quite a good effect on the game. I think that's a managerial positive for certain is how um, how positive he was with um, with how we went after we went 10 down. and We were 10 down for quite a while until, until uh, was it, Collins made two quite stupid challenges to get two yellow cards within about <laughs> ten minutes it, of each it, other. It, it does. I love how much every time you know you see a player get two yellow cards, it highlights kind of the the genuine kind of stupidity in a lot of footballers. In that, I th- I think sometimes like they genuinely are arguing with the referees in like how is that a yellow card after he's just put in two you know clearly yellow cards like there was there was just no refuting. That second yellow card at all yet still he's up in the in the referee's face and like walking off all indignant like the referee's an idiot but you know it was it was appalling um but as you were saying about the uh the pochettino subs one thing i wanted to quickly brush on because we should move on to the main event um we haven't even spoken about any tv maybe in the outro um but the uh in uh in pochettino subs when harry kane came on there was quite a lot of concern from people that Soldado hadn't hadn't been brought into the game. Um, now, for, for me personally, I, I know you can look into kind of the bigger pictures in like, does Soldado fit within Pochettino's system? The fact that Pochettino played Soldado a lot throughout pre-season, to me, says he sees potential there in Soldado and a way to use him within his system. 
Um, for me, bringing on Harry Kane in that match wasn't a reflection on, you know, Pochettino's idea of Soldado's long-term worth to Tottenham. It was more just this occasion wasn't really the right one for Soldado. I, I think it was a very physical West Ham team that we were playing against. Um, and I, I just think Kane fit the occasion much better in the, in the fact that, you know, he can kind of play in that drop-back role. He can support and they can rotate up front a bit more, you know, with with kind of Townsend coming on, cutting in. You've got Ericsson cutting in as well. And having Kane with the ability to drop back, link up play, and also kind of go forwards himself and just be a big lump in the box if that's what you need, it kind of, he he has that extra thing, the extra physicality that Soldado perhaps doesn't have. Um, that's the way I read it anyway. I don't, I don't know about you, but I mean, I, I, it doesn't wash me no, that we're getting rid of um, Soldado. I, I think he's going to stay, but you know. No, I think that was a very astute tactical analysis, Mr. Hussey. I um, I completely agree. Um, Cheers for the notes beforehand, mate. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. no, it's um, it's, it's entirely a matter. Um, I I think as well that you know horses for courses. Um, he's gonna he's gonna play Kane there because of the manner in which West Ham play and being able to adapt to your your surroundings is a is a great asset for a manager. Um, I think he'll hopefully have um, of outline that to the players beforehand because often substitution are um kind of predetermined you kind of you kind of gonna guess which way in which, the way in which sorry a game's going to go and uh, you're going to try and second guess the way in which you're going to make substitutions just so the players themselves know can get themselves ready for the job they've got in hand. He, what he was doing a lot, I noticed, um, Pochettino, um, was pulling players over um, when he had a break in the game just to give them that extra bit of um, sort of guidance in, in what he wanted them to do. He was talking a lot to the players going on and off the field. He made a point of of like giving a, a handshake or a hug to the, the players coming off. And, you know, the man that Stefan Freund used to do when he was on the bench, he was, he was talking a lot um, to the players who were running up and down the wing that were close to him, who seemed to be passing messages back onto the field. So he seems to have already established a relationship there with the with the uh, the squad, which is encouraging to see. There's no sort of fragmentation which may count against us. Um, but all in all, it was a decent start. The momentum that a last-minute goal will give us is fantastic. And I think that that'll just continue now when we go to AEL Limassol on Thursday and we should score a, a hatful there against what is a you know a, a minnow and a, a glorified semi-professional outfit if they were playing in England to be honest so was it ho- hotel owners um, that's a bit racist perhaps isn't it I don't know probably shouldn't <laughs> say that I'm sorry spooky <laughs> if you're listening um, I'm just making it worse right so let's go on to the main event um, if, you know, me and Raj weren't the main event, of course. But uh, we're, we're speaking to Mr. Ash Rose of Kick Mag TV, um, who is a QPR fan. I don't know why I've introduced him in this weird way. Let's get him on the show. So, welcome to Rule the Roost, Mr. Ash Rose. How's it going, mate? It's going well. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having us. Oh, thank you. Thank you for joining us. Um, and welcome welcome back to the Premier League as well. Thank you. Yeah, it's, it's good to be back. Yeah, it was, uh, it was a... Big ride, you know, a roller coaster ride last season and with the playoff final as well. So, uh, no, it's good to be back and um, hopefully we'll pick up from Saturday. Quite, quite surprising that you did go down in the first place. Just we'll, we'll take you back to that place. We'll, we'll, we'll remove the elation part, just take you back to the desolation. Oh. Um, it, was, it was a bit weird, wasn't it? But 
Um, it wasn't a good time to be a QPR fan, put it that way. It really wasn't. Uh, it was a bit of a dark time. Even when Harry came in, I think Harry came in too late. Um, I think by that point, the, it was done. Mark Hughes's manageable strategy had, had set in and we, we were pretty much down. And I know Harry gave a good shot and we won at Stamford Bridge, which was always a good moment. But I think he knew in his heart of hearts that it took some saving. And it wasn't the team, it was the ethos of the club. It was a, there's a lot of bad eggs, as he said. He's come out and said on a number of occasions and so the players. Uh, the, the club wasn't a good place to be. Um, it wasn't good for the fans. There was a lot of players there that didn't want to be there. Um, and, and really, I think it was a good thing that we did come down, got rid of those sort of players, built the atmosphere that we had last year, both with the fans and the players, and, and came back up eventually. Um, so, yeah, well, I, I've kind of jumped the gun on that a bit. Um, do you want to tell us a bit about yourself as well, Ash? As well, just, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm a uh, editor of a kids' football magazine uh, called Kick, um, which is out now and all good retail shops and supermarkets, um, but also a big QPR fan. I've written a book on QPR called The, the QPR Miscellany, um, as well as a, a book on 90s football. So, yeah, I'm, I'm well versed into all QPR and a bit of football nostalgia at the same time. Do you, uh, do you, do you still long for the days of Trevor Sinclair and his overhead overhead kicks? Oh, always. Roy Wegley. Roy Wegley was my hero as a kid. <laughs> he was only there for a couple of seasons, but I think it coincided with me really getting into football. And he was, the, you know, he had that long flowing locks. He was, he was a foreigner, by, you know, which was unusual back then. Um, a South African-American as he was. And uh, he was my friend. He had some, you know, he had some brilliant skills. Got a great goal against Leeds that QPR fans will famously remember. But yeah, Sir Les and Trevor Sinclair, you know, they were, they were great teams. And even the back four, we had them, Bardsley and Wilson, who you guys know well, of course, at Tottenham. Yes. Yeah. Good team growing up in the 90s. Sir Les, that's, that's the name. Um, just recently departed from White Hart Lane again this season. Can you see him rocking up at, at QPR? Because he seems oh. to be picking up quite a few of our, our old coaching staff. When Harry went there, I think that was one of the first kind of questions among QPR fans because I think we'd love to see Les down there. Um, he's, he's still probably one of the best players we've ever had at the club, and you, you dread to think what sort of transfer value he'd have on his head now. You know, the guy could do everything as a striker, and yeah, I mean, striker coach would be good or whatever we want to know. We've just got Glenn Hoddle, so there's, the coaching staff's quite full down at the loft at the moment. But we'd welcome Sir Les. There's always room for him. Um, I did hear a rumour that he might be part of if Tim Sherwood takes over the Palace job, which I know he's favourite at the moment, he might be part of that uh, backroom staff. But no, if Sir Les ever wants back to keep you on, no, there's always a, there's a place for him somewhere. Do you, uh, what, do you, what do you make of Hoddle's appointment? Because that, that seemed to come a bit out of the blue. Um, to me, I, I mean, I know he's been making a lot of noises in the past few months about wanting to get back into coaching, you know, being a manager. Um, he was heavily linked with the Spurs job before Pochettino. Well, actually, um, before Sherwood got it last season, Hoddle was one of the forerunners to kind of come in and maybe take it on a caretaker basis. Um, but he's been, you know, he's been off abroad doing like his football academy, hasn't he, in Spain? Um, but people are still, he, his name still seems to hold quite a lot of credence in in, yeah. in a lot of circles. So, are you happy to to have old uh, Glenn back on? I am on actually, board? yeah. yeah. I think- as a coach, first and foremost, because I think that's, you know, it's been a long time since Glenn's been a manager, although I fear if Harry goes for whatever reason this season, good or bad, then there's an ex, you know, there's a man there to step into his shoes if need. Yeah. But I do think, you know, it's been quite made public that Harry wants to go with this 3-5-2 formation. Glenn is obviously someone who used to play that predominantly, especially when he was with England. I think Glenn Oddle invented it, didn't they? Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. He's, he's the man who invented 3-5-2, so it, it makes sense to, although I think it's been a showing our formation all over the 
you know, the public is to me a little bit here, this is what we're going to do, but we'll see how that goes. But yeah, I think it's a good appointment. You know, he did the same last season with Steve McLaren, um, who came in again. That was kind of out of the blue as well, but he did a very good job um, at Loftus Road, especially uh, defensively. And uh, the, the games after he left, when he left for Derby, the first few games, you could see the difference that we missed him. Um, so hopefully Glenn will have that kind of impact. I'm sure he's looking to get back into a number one role and he probably sees this as a way in which, as long as it benefits us, I'm sure it's same, same happens to Steve McLaren, so I'm sure that'll be fine. Um, I think it's a shrewd appointment. Everyone who ever worked with Glenn Hoddle, when you see ex-pros, they comment on how good of a coach he is. So if you could just stick to doing that, just coaching without the, the sidetrack of the, the managerial issues that you have to do when you're a number one, maybe that's, that's what he needs right now to, to get his way back into the game, a, a purely coaching role and and we'll see the benefits at Loftus Road. What do you uh, what What do you make of Harry's time um, so far? I mean, under under his stewardship, has it been this kind of because his his name at uh, at White Hart Lane is often linked to this old idea of the old Tottenham way of you know of caution to the wind, to dare is to do like Harry, you know, gets the sails up the lads, tells them to go out and just run about and do what they do best and. Perhaps, you know, some of his kind of tactical decisions, if you want to call them that, were maybe overlooked um, because people just saw him as a bit of a, whatever, loudmouth geezer type type yeah. figure. But how, how has he kind of viewed at, at, at Loftus amongst most of the fans? It's been a bit of a mixed bag, to be honest with Harry Redner. I think he, you know, when he came in, it was in a difficult situation. Uh, you know, he was really in a no-lose for him because if we went down, it wouldn't have been his fault. We stayed up, he'd been a hero, he didn't quite manage it, you know, gave it a good go. Um, and last season, there were times when people began to doubt his tactical now, especially when you see the young managers that finished above us ultimately got promoted, like Sean Dyche and, and Nigel Pearson. You did wonder if Harry was beginning to, to feel the strain of, of young managers and new systems coming in. But I think he showed in the end that he's still got a bit about him. He's, he can still motivate a team. You know, the playoff final was a perfect example. Down to 10 men, we, we stuck at it to the end and got, and got the goal. Um, and I think at the moment, he's still in QPR's good graces, most of the fans. And I think we're quite happy to, to see how the season goes. I wouldn't be surprised, whatever happens this season, that to see him step aside, because he did say he might do that if we hadn't gone gone up. So I don't know if he's feeling the itch to retire because he, you know, he's getting to his late 60s now. So I'm not sure if that's still the case, but I think a lot will depend on how the season goes. Uh, at the moment, I'm happy with him. You know, you get the the reputation of Harry, um, you know, the, the window, car window down, the wheeler dealer stuff. But at the end of the <laughs> day, I, I think he's transfer speaks for himself. He does bring in majority better good ones than he does bad eggs. I mean, Andrews Townsend, the perfect example, in you know, last time keeping on the Premier League, who no one really, really want to take a gamble on. And, you know, six months later, he's playing for England. So I'm I'm sure we'll see a couple of those at the end of the window. And at the moment, I think Harry's he's, he's we're happy with Harry's manager. How, how about you, Raj? You you were you were a big fan of Harry Redknapp, weren't you, back in the day? I'm that is massively sarcastic there, Ash. If, uh, <laughs> if, you, if you're aware, are you uh, do you, do you think he's a kind of you know do you think it, it, it's a, it's a good thing for QPR to have someone like Redknapp on on board, given their kind of his propensity to to spend a lot of money, as we saw with Portsmouth and. Club like QPR has a lot of, should we say, disposable income. Well, he hasn't spent as much, really. Sorry, he hasn't spent as much as as others as like Mark Hughes did. But he's, he's been quite shrewd, other than um, sort of Charlie Austin that came in for some sort of money. And I don't know. I think at the moment he might be what we need. I think that's what we lacked last time: someone with experience in the Premier League to to really establish us first of all before giving us a lot of money and not sure what to do with. So. 
I think at the moment I'm, we're trusting him with the, the bank balance. I think it's a good thing that you've got deep pockets with Ren um, <laughs> not there because given half a chance he will spend a lot of money. I think the, the players that are coming in as well aren't on small contracts either. So that's um, got to be taken into account. The size of the squad isn't that small either. Um, you've got a fair few there, especially last year in the Championship. But if you hadn't have got out of that league and you did with the skin of your teeth, I was I was actually in London the day of the, um, the playoff final uh, watching Arctic Monkeys in Findry Park and there were quite a few people there with, with QPR shirts on quite happy with themselves. <laughs> and um, and uh, it Probably not too sober either. Yeah. No, no, not no, not at all. No, but um, I think my main my main issue with Harry Redknapp is is not a footballing one, and that's one that is shared by uh, shared sorry by quite a few people. I think he's quite a um, a deplorable human being. Um, <laughs> it, 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 the, the way in which he he handled himself and uh, Tottenham was was nothing short of disgrace. At some point, um, there was the, obviously the England saga in which everyone, uh, including all of his friends on Fleet Street, thought that he should be the next manager. Um, it's uh, you know it's a blessing in disguise that he was wasn't ever. Um, he, the main reason he was sacked from Tottenham wasn't for really a, a, a footballing one, even though that he'd his sideline in his final season with us wanting to get the England job so badly that he took the his, his eye completely off the ball with us, um, led to us having one of the worst runs towards the end of the season where we let. Uh, what was a cemented third place finish slip drastically to finish four behind Arsenal yet again and uh, don't, to please eventually don't finish me, outside. Don't, don't take me back there, Raj. Uh, don't, like, to, please. We eventually finished outside their Champions League because Chelsea won it um, and that was entirely down to the management and the mismanagement of what we had. Um, you lacked any sort of plan B as an actual manager. His, his lack of any sort of tactical astuteness was papered over by the fact that we probably had the best squad to date that we've probably ever had um, in those seasons. He was actually at the club um, with Modric and Van der Vaart and Bale. Um, he, he added by aura as well. He had, he had such a, a such a spine uh, led the King playing well that he was, he was onto a winner no matter what he played. Um, but he's, he's someone that I, I, I kind of just the way in which he conducts himself is I, I don't like. Um, I think I can see it. It usually all goes down in flames for him at some point. Um, obviously, I'm not wishing that on you, but it's almost inevitable with Redden up there that something will occur. Um, if whether or not he gets a, another job within driving distance of Sam Banks or not is... Well, is, is, is quite near, wasn't it? When he went for the Ukraine job, that was, that was quite near Sam Banks, I thought. <laughs> I think that was just a PR exercise, wasn't yeah. it? He's, well, he wanted you know, to he pushed GPR into the appointment that we were interested. I think that was a way of saying, if you don't get me, the, the Ukraine job is there waiting for me. But <laughs> I can't imagine Harry Redknapp trying to pronounce some of those Ukrainian names. I know I can't, so I can't imagine that. But I do, I do take your point definitely. Hey, you, you, yeah, Ujinikabolikov, go, go, go out there, go run, go have him. Exactly, but yeah, I take your point on his tactical analysis because I said. Last season, the championship, he, I think, he was outdone by the, the, you know, these young guys who have come in. They're, they've got new ideas that I don't think Harry Redknapp, you know, sticks to his same ways. And a lot of time, we were bowed out by a Charlie Austin goal, um, which won't happen in the Premier League because Charlie himself's got to get used to the next level. We saw that on, on Saturday where he fluffed his lines, and he won't get many more chances like that this season. So we all need more to the game than um, to, to dig out results and to survive in this league. I know he's looking at the sort of players that he hit, that Portsmouth had the big. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Guys in the middle, got someone like Leo with, uh, which we definitely need um, to shore up the midfield because we were overrun on Saturday. So I do take your point, and I agree with you with the Tottenham and England thing. Oh, absolutely. I do think he did take his eye off the ball, and uh, it'd be interesting to see what reception he gets on, on Sunday at the main. I think essentially he'll have old men cheering him and he'll have the younger people who saw the way in which he behaved away from the field um, will probably be quite in, indifferent towards him. I don't think it'll be... It'll probably be a bit more taking the piss. I don't think it'll go it one way or the other. It won't be venomous. I don't think it, it won't be yeah. booze or anything like that. I, I can't see anything like that. Um, but Imagine I can, Glenn getting a better reception. Yeah, yeah. Hoddle will get a decent reception. Get, he's still you know, he's highly... Highly regarded, um, regardless of his kind of like off pitch stuff. Like, yeah. not... has he um has he hired any faith healers at QPR yet? Not yet. I don't think Harry's given him reins to hire anyone, so that's probably a good thing. It's it's, um, a, it's a genuine concern. <laughs> like you have to, <laughs> and people kind of say it as a joke, but you have to actually kind of you know think yeah. about that. Well, if you can heal Jermaine Jenis, then we're off to a start. So maybe Pro- that makes it's, that's what it's... Is he still at QPR and still injured? Yes. Bloody hell. <laughs> I suppose you did. I'll tell you one one player I wanted to actually focus on um, is like Remy because we we're still kind of being linked to him. Um, kind of shocked that you haven't gone for him, but yeah. He, he, I mean, I, I I I didn't watch the whole game. I, I saw your match of the day, um, which is yeah, obviously puts me in a prime position to be yeah. talking about your game now. But from what I saw on match of the day, um, as my dad says to me, he uh, he looked. Um, Remy just looked standout. He looked absolutely fantastic. He looked like he was up for it. Um, do you think there's a part of that that's shop window? I mean, did, did, has he been making the noises that he wants to leave QPR? Or do you think if, if he doesn't leave, he'll, he'll stay and just be happy? He's not made noises to the point where you, you think he's desperate to leave. I think he would like to leave. I think he wants to play in the Champions League. And as you know, that's what players come over here to play for, for a Champions League club. But on Saturday, you know, bearing in mind he hadn't had no pre-season. He's played no games since the World Cup. He looked lively. I mean, he boiled off in the second half, but naturally that was probably down to fitness. But he's set up a chance for Jordan Much, which probably the guy should have done better for and, and had a chance later in the game as well and he looks him and Charlie from the early stages could like have a nice partnership going on there what the different styles of play um, if you head on I don't know if he'll be there at the end of transfer window I, he's this kind of player with that release clause in his contract 8 million for at, at the top 6 club I think it is that I can see someone deadline day you know they didn't get what target maybe Tottenham maybe even Chelsea are looking for an amateur even Liverpool maybe coming back in if they don't get some of their, their targets that they're after then, what about Arsenal maybe He's Arsenal was someone that I thought would really be interested in him. Yeah, because his pace fits their style of play. 
Uh, he's different to any player that they've got. Obviously, Giroud's more of a hold-up guy and, and he's better than the end than Remy. But Remy working off the last shoulder of the defender is something Arsenal haven't got, um, even to come off the bench as an explosive sub. Um, it could be one of those clubs. I just think he would be an easy target come you know 11 o'clock on deadline day um, when there's a, a last-minute de- deal to be done. So I think that could happen. If it doesn't, I think... He'll put his head down and work till January. I, I think that will be the case because I think he'll move possibly in January then, and which would be brilliant for us because we lack strikers at the moment. We need to buy one regardless of where Remy stays or not with only Charlie Austin and, and half of Bobby Zamora still at the club. So um, hopefully he stays. To be honest, I, I, I see your point about him probably wanting Champions League football, which is why I think it, it rules us out. I don't know. I, I, I personally can't see Spurs signing Remy um, this window at least, even though as much as I, on pitch value, would like him. Um, still have some sort of question marks over his uh, behaviour off pitch, which, you know, is well, we still still alleged. And... As well, with, yeah. you know, Liverpool have said that he failed a medical. Not sure. I mean, our medicals have been quite laughable over the last few seasons. <laughs> <laughs> We've given Jermaine Cajenas a contract for after all. But... Um, yeah, I'm not sure if that would be a case if you tried for another club. I mean, Charlie Austin found a medical hole at the beginning of the last season and a bit past it at QPR. So whether or not it would show up in another club, I don't know. But I think he'd be a fantastic buy for Spurs. I really do. Would you like him, Raj? I think there's two big questions over Remy. Um, obviously, on field, he's very good. Um, his injury record isn't the best. He's got a an existing heart issue um, which was brought up in a, an old French uh, medical he had which um, I think is one of those things um, doctors have cleared him to, but of course clubs will be quite uh, worried about their insurance companies whether or not they'd be willing to to pay out on, on somebody like that I think that's one of the main reasons why Liverpool didn't buy him I, I think they had very big problems with their insurers um, actually wanting him in the squad um, another one is the fact that you've alluded to that uh, you know there are allegations that he's a little bit rapey off field, which um, <laughs> people people just don't want at the club. Um, which you know is it's not the sort of character, of course. There's, I don't think anything's been proven yet, but uh, while that sort of thing's hanging over your head, it's not something that you want. You can see it at the moment with with Sheffield United, and they've got Chad Evans who they they, they say they want to sign back. Um, but their fans have launched appeal against ever allowing him to play in their shoot again uh, because of, of what he's done, essentially. But, you know, QPR quite clearly don't worry about any of that because they've got Joey Barton as captain. <laughs> so um, they're all about the reformed. Kind I was going to say, we, we, we could go to one of our, our list of questions just quite quickly because this, this ties in quite nicely with this. Speaking about um, people with deplorable off-pitch perfor- uh, personas, um, we've got one from Robert Glentworth, who is at Bogo1. There you go, Robert, or Bogo, however you want to pronounce it. Um, who says, what did QPR fans think of Ekoto last year in terms of attitude and performances? Any chance you'd want him back? Uh, no chance. <laughs> uh, he's one of the most fascinating footballers to watch I think I've ever seen at Loftus Road, because the guy's got ability, absolutely bundles of it. Um, some of the touches on the ball, he's very neat, very tidy. He can defend, but for whatever reason, he's so lethargic in the way he plays. It's I know he's come out before and said that he is not a fan of the game. He just happens to be very good at it. Um, but the games, I mean, notably Burnley last season at Loftus Road, where 
he played a left back, but I think I could have done a better job. And, and trust me, I, I write football for a living. I don't play it. That's why. <laughs> and um, he, you know, we, we drew that game three all, but two of his goals were pretty much totally his fault, letting uh, Sam Vokes get the better of him. Um, yeah, I don't think many fan, QPR fans were had him back because his good games were very rare. And more times you find yourself so frustrated with the guy because he, he's got it in him. He's a, fan, he's a good footballer and a good defender, but he just didn't seem to want to portray that on the field. He was just so lethargic. He made he made Canu look like a, a forward-thinking footballer and not <laughs> such a lethargic guy. So, no, I don't think we would have him back. I don't think the majority of fans would. Yeah, uh, it's, it's funny at the moment because he's... Well, he obviously... Um... He he jumped in on the the Nicholas and Elka Quinell thing, um, and with the the kind of overtones of anti-Semitism there, um, and obviously given a lot of Tottenham's yeah. uh, links to the Jewish community, um, and just being, <laughs> you know, people that don't particularly like Nazi salutes, I guess. Um, it, 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 you don't know how much of that plays into the fact he's not even training with Spurs anymore, but you can only imagine that it's probably quite a large part. But I think he's, he, he's been like posting Instagrams from, I think like Saint-Tropez or something. So he's clearly just not an option for Tottenham anymore. Um, can you... Was just, in the World Cup very long, was it? So yeah. he had a long holiday. Do you, uh, do you, he got sent home earlier as well. Yeah. He did. Cause he, yeah, he had a punch up, didn't he? Didn't he, he had an on-field, uh, Flare up with someone at QPR last year on his own team, didn't he? Ash? He did, yeah. yeah. That was Charlie, yeah, he did, yeah. Um, coming off. Um, a lot of the sounds out the ground were that it wasn't the first. That was the only that happened on pitch. Um, I've, Harry obviously rated him as a footballer, but yeah, I don't think, I think the senses is that he wouldn't have him back again um, because of the attitude that has seen, like you say, he got camp, kicked out of Cameroon's camp at the World Cup. Um, the whole Anelka thing is quite great and, and quite a mixed view to, to what people would think about that as well. So I don't think he'd be playing for Spurs again either. No, definitely not. Um, let's go on to one of our other listener questions. Let's just have a little look now. Sorry, we've just we've had quite a few come in. So in the meantime, uh, can I ask you about how Tom Carroll was last season? Because he's one that we hold a lot of uh, admiration for at Tottenham because he's, he's seen to play the game the right way in the Tottenham way and he's got a lot of talent on the ball. How did he perform in the um, last season? He got, a fair, he got a fair bit of stick, which I thought was unfair for him. Um, the Championship is a tough league. Uh, I think the biggest weakness in Tom's game is his stature. He wasn't really built for the Championship, but he... On the ball, like you say, he's very good. He's very clever. Um, he's, he knows how to pick a pass. Uh, there were games where he was clearly the best player on the pitch. You could see his quality. Um, I just think he just lacked a little bit of strength that you need to get through those horrible games in the championship. Um, the, the run we had at the beginning of the season where uh, Rob Green broke the club record for clean sheets, it's no coincidence, I don't think, that Tom played in every one of those games. And the next, I think it was the next game or the next couple of games he didn't play, we conceded goals. So I think he, what he does well is, is keep that midfield together, keep the shape of the team together. Um, and so, yeah, he did well. I, I, I question if he could ever really do it in the Premier League. I'd like to see him give it a go because I think you get more time on the ball in the Premier League than you do in the Championship. So maybe that side of his game would be better. So I would like to see if he can give it a go. But maybe he needs a loan to a you know a bottom half Premier League team first to see 
how he gets on before the, the Spurs first team. Yeah, it's, it's like, that's one thing a lot of Spurs fans have always said that they they really just want to see him have a a Premier League loan now to because he, he's getting to that age, isn't he? Where he's he's, yeah. he's either got it or he doesn't. Um, it's, it's the same what happened with Andros, you know, because I think he got to the cusp where people were like, "Well, has he got it? Has he not?" He came to Loftus Road and. You know, he knew almost one player of the year in the in the four months that he was here. Um, I know he, there's still some Spurs fans who are not quite convinced by him, but you know he kicked on from that with the uh, Spurs and getting an England cap and stuff. So I think Tom can do that again, but I think he needs a loan, you know, possibly that further down the Premier League that for a manager that plays football quite well. Maybe Tim Sherwood, if he gets the Crystal Palace job, maybe that would be the perfect sort of team for for Tom, especially as, as, as Tim Sherwood would probably know him from the Spurs. Well, we've got a, a, another one of our, our, our ever-engaging listener questions here, if you ask. Um, we've got one from Veerly, who is at RobV4, um, who says, is the rivalry with Chelsea or Fulham more relevant and heartfelt these days? Uh, it depends who you ask, I think. Um, I think more the older generation of fans would say Chelsea. Um, I know a good number of, Chelsea, uh, of QPR fans who um, you know, don't despise the club and, and always can't quite wait for the fixtures. Uh, Fulham's a strange one because for years we were in separate divisions and uh, there was a rivalry, but it was kind of from afar. Um, and I, I don't really think it's ever really come to the boil as much as Chelsea has. It's always, Chelsea have always been the number one. You know, for as long as I've been going, the 20-odd years that I've been at Loftus Road, we still sing songs about Chelsea. We very rarely ever sing songs about hating Fulham which I think pretty much sums up the way we feel about them. They've always been the annoying sibling more than the rival is the way I, I think they're more like the, the annoying, boring uncle, aren't they? Really, yeah, they are, exactly. That is what they are. And you know, I think the only time it came ahead was when we came up to the Premier League. They, uh, they, they had to thrash us 6-1 at the cottage when Adderapp did that famous walk and got a bus home. And there was a, <laughs> some started to, to kick up then. But no, it's always been Chelsea. You know, the win at Stamford Bridge the last time in the Premier League. But fans still talk about that. Um, I've got a few Chelsea friends that whenever they kick up about winning the European Cup, I kindly remind them that we're still winning. Um, so, yeah, I think it's Chelsea, definitely. All right, then. Um, let's uh, let's move on to the get the game ahead. Um, I mean, well, well, we'll touch on your, uh, your your previous match. I mean, what 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 went wrong there, and what do you think you need to address coming into this this second London derby, two and two games for for Tottenham. Uh, yeah, the shape was obviously much as made of that because we're playing three-five-two now, which we, I know he tried that last season a couple of times, but he really wants to do it this time. So, you know, one of the reasons Rio's come in because he could command that back four and come out like he used to back in when he was younger days at West Ham and Leeds. Um, it did work in the first half for whatever reason. Uh, we were overrun a bit in the midfield. Um, I, I know that Harry's looking at a central midfielder because I'm not sure if Ali Fallin's quite ready for that role yet, having come back from a third um, cruciate injury and... And Jerry Barton can't do it all on his own. So I think we'll need someone in there if we're going to continue with the system who's going to control that midfield, be a box-to-box sort of player. Um, we didn't play badly, to be honest. And some of the reports coming out that you know we weren't, we weren't brilliant, but we definitely deserved the point at the very least. Hull did their job. They were very secure at the back. You know, Chester, who got the goal, was a very good both at both ends. Much has been made of Rio losing his marker. He did, but for the rest of the game, he, he, he was pretty good for a debut. So... I think the bottom line, it's something that bugs me that the last time we were in the Premier League, you have to take your chances at this level. It's unforgiving. 
Um, we had our chances in the game. We had one cleared off the line. Uh, we, we obviously missed the penalty as well. And if you don't miss, if you don't score those chances, you get sucker punched, especially in the Premier League. And that's what happened on Saturday. Another day, we'd have got a point and maybe won that game. But you ha- I think the bottom line is, if we're going to survive in this league, we have to take our chances. And uh, going into the game on Saturday, I mean, how, how do you see yourself? Like, you think you're going to stay with it then? The three-five-two persist. I assume so. I think, especially away from home, because. It would be more de- defensive. I possibly may see him not playing Remy or and sticking with one up front, maybe just to to shore it up even more, um, or even playing Remy on his own because with that pace that will come off on the break, it's it's always a difficult game, um, especially for a promoted team to to go to White Hart Lane. Um, we fared quite good the last stint in the Premier League. I know he gave you know, a good game both times at the Lane. Um, I think Gareth Bale scored a, a wonder goal to to settle the first season there. So um, it'll be difficult, obviously. Anywhere in the away away in the Premier League, you take a point. Um, but I, I think you, I, I'm not optimistic. We will. Um, I, I think we're still getting used to the system, still bedding in the signings. Um, I think it'll be closer than some people think. But um, I would go if I had to. Unfortunately, I would say probably it'd be a Spurs win. Rog, do you think if uh, if if QPR do play the three five two, um, we'll stick with the the inverted wingers up the top, so the kind of the three up top, if you like. Yeah, I think we'll stick with one striker especially. I think uh, three five two playing one striker against it pretty much plays into our hands. Um, three five two was just invented um, and came into its form in Italy. Um, it was called Catanaccio. Um, and uh, the reason it was brought in is because a lot of teams still to this day in Syria it's still a, a popular um, popular system over there although Catanaccio has pretty much died out and that, that sort of ideology is not there anymore. The ultra-defensive Italian way of playing... The reason three five two works against two strikers is you, you kind of use that that sweeper in between to to play the balls that are coming in over the top and the two either side kind of pick a striker and mark them out and then the wing backs go at it. With one striker, you you, you kind of leave the three strikers with nobody to mark. They'll often have a lot of space to play in. So either one of Soldado, either one of our three strikers to be honest, Soldado, Adibayor or Kane, have the intelligence to drop off to pick the ball up in areas where. They um they won't be able to kind of come up the field and and attack them as as they would do if there was two traditional strikers on the field. So um I think Pochettino is tactically aware enough to know how to exploit that system. I think especially with the wing backs as well. If I I was two on the wings that are tucking in and going head against the uh, the three at the back rather than the five dropping back, then um it should be it should be a quite open game. It's entirely dependent on um on QPR not just sitting back though and and parking the bus as it were if they um if they actually come and try and play football it should be fairly open which again hopefully should play into our hands i reckon both teams will probably end up scoring um and w- we should win it by a couple you know 3-1 type of thing but it's um it looks on paper like it could be a decent game, especially if the the two teams stick to the sort of football they played in the first game. It's just entirely dependent, as I say, on how QPR treat the occasion, whether they're going to come and actually try and get something from White Hart Lane or they're going to do as many teams kind of do when they come and put nine, ten men behind the ball for 90 minutes, which often boils down to a, a frustrating afternoon for everyone. I think, I think that could happen. Bearing in mind we lost the first game, I think if we'd won at, against Hull, he might have, Harry might have taken a chance and gone out there and, and really and opened up and trying to get something at, at the lane. But I think now that to lose your first two games, it puts everyone down. So I think maybe he might, we might, we might see a sharp shot, which is just to try and get a point 
on the board. Um, you know, it's, at the end of the day, we need points to, to stay up. 17th is the aim and every game counts. So I do think we might see a bit more of a negative tactical view from Harry, which would be a shame because I agree if, if both teams played to their potential, it could be a really good game of football. But I think safety might come first. Don't know. It doesn't, doesn't sound like the Harry we know, though. That's the only thing, Ash. That's all I'll say. It's a bit like that last season because a lot of fans said, you know, the, the Cavalier Harry that we know from from previous Spurs and, and his other clubs. We didn't see as much as you think. There was a lot of safety first, a lot of one nil wins, especially in the early part of last season. And I think that could happen again just because we need points on the board. Boring, boring Rangers. <laughs> so, <laughs> Stay up first season, I, I think I'd take that. All right, mate. Well, it's been a pleasure talking to you, Ash, and thanks, thanks for giving us your, uh, your evening, mate. And, no uh, worries. Thanks for having yeah, us, guys. Good luck for the rest of the season as well, thanks. mate. <laughs> Hello, Raj. It's just, just you and I again. Close quarters. Nice, nice and intimate. Personal. Um, I've, I, speaking of Ian Botham's, Willie, um, I just want to go on to here. I, t- I take it, you have you seen the snake vine today? No. Don't, and when I say don't, do type snake and vine into uh, into your Twitter search bar. I wouldn't advise doing that in the workplace um, or in any kind of secure connection. But shall yeah. I do it right now? Shall I do it now? Or yeah, if you want I... to, have, 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 a, have a go. What is? It? Just type snake vine, and you'll see. I can't. I can't tell you. You just have to experience it. Uh, there's a man with naked with a snake. Is, is the snake got his willy in his mouth? Is he? Where's his? Where's? Where's he put his? <laughs> I don't understand where it's inside. It's. I. Uh, yeah. It's whatever it is. It's inside it, and it's. Yeah. Who's vine that? I don't know. Actually, that's a very good point. Why is? Why is his face pixelated? It's Ian Botham. That's why it's the hackers. He's getting some decent like. I've not stopped watching it. He's actually getting some decent purchase on what he's doing. Um, <laughs> so that got a half in. Uh, I'm going to have to stop watching that. Why did you tell me to watch that? I don't know. There's something wrong with me. Um, yeah. It's because it's because it hasn't been much. Is that a real snake? I believe so. I'm not. I'm not 100. I haven't studied it meticulously. I kind of put it on and then hand away. Is that? It's just I don't think nice. a weird snake could let you do that. Not nice. No. Anyway, uh, let's let's move on. Let's, let's just let's just quickly touch on television for a second because we haven't we haven't done that. Um, and I, I understand people are getting a bit frustrated. So this is probably the part of the show whereby, if you know you don't like the television stuff, you can fuck off and never listen again. No. Uh, if you don't like it, maybe we'll save it to the end, Raj. That that might be a bit of a compromise. I think. Um, after we all, after all, we are kind of masquerading as a Tottenham podcast, but. Have you watched any of Ray Donovan? Oh yeah, I love Ray Donovan. It's one of my you favorites. do. Oh great, we haven't spoken about that one actually, off off air or on air. God, how fucking pretentious saying off air and on air, but um, it's fucking brilliant, isn't it? I haven't watched this week's yet, but uh, I think no, he's... neither have I. That on me, sat on my desktop, ready to watch once we're finished. I believe. I, I tell you what, I cannot bear though is is his old mate Raymond. You know the what's his name? Guy who's played by <laughs> Elliot Gould. <laughs> He just calls um, him up and sporadically. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Raymond, yeah, yeah, yeah. you've got it. Ezra, Ezra. Oh, what is, fuck off and die, die, just die. Um, it's his wife that does my head in. I'd, uh, I'd be, I'd be getting rid of her as soon as possible. 
Charlotte, Charlotte's just tweeted me Ezra from the other room because she's obviously had me <laughs> banging on about it. But uh, that's quite funny. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, Ray Donovan, it's a good show. I, I didn't really think this out properly, but anyone else that listens to Ray Donovan, um, listens to, watches Ray Donovan and listens to this, you're, you're, good, you're good people. You're good people. It's really good. John Voight's really good, isn't it? He is really good in it, isn't he? Angelina Jolie's dad. Not a lot of people seem to know that. Um, who I always used to get mixed up with, Christopher Walken, when I was younger. I always used to think they're the same person. Then had one of those moments when I realised that they weren't the same person. Um, there we go. That's an interesting. One of the story. most. One of the most. Uh... One of the most disappointed I've ever seen my dad and me once was when we were having a conversation and I forgot Christopher Walken's name and I went, oh, that guy from the Fat Boy Slim video. And he, and he kind of like, I think it was over dinner and he kind of put it on his cutler and he went, of all the things Christopher Walken's done and the only <laughs> thing that you can refer back to is the Fat Boy Slim video. I was like, oh yeah, I know like Deer Hunter and everything like that, but that's the one thing that, you know it was as soon as I said that so it's a, a good reference point he went just, just never referred to him as the man from the Fat Boy Slim video he <laughs> gives me the creeps Christopher he's like Christopher Walken to me he has that kind of demeanour and just like aura of someone that's that's known what it's like to take a life like he just seems like he's, he, he, he seems like a disturbing man he's got that he's got that cold st- like like Nemanja Vidic he, who just like Nemanja Vidic like strikes me as someone that's that's killed someone and has dark secrets and yeah has has a location or a person that he can call to have things disposed of that's what i think of christopher walken as well that, that's what the old um the old man united chant for the man united alluded to that didn't it the um racially insensitive one they used to sing for him oh about like yeah about certain genocides and things in bosnia and serbia and yeah no they never mentioned no they I think it was Nemanja, whoa, whoa, Nemanja, whoa, he comes from Serbia, he'll fucking murder you, was um, the song. <laughs> I probably shouldn't laugh at that, but it's, 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 it's representative, but it's quite funny. This is the, this is the same Man United that that awful song about Park. Yeah, what is it? The, Do you remember that one? You eat dogs in your home country. That yeah. One. Yeah. But, but what, if you read Alex Ferguson's autobiography, though, they're a class above. They're a class above Man United fans, apparently. They say Man United fans that paid actual money to have a plane fly over their stadium last year to get the manager sacked. People paid money for that. But just, just let that sink it's in. It's funny that lost again. And they'll probably yeah. the worst team to play in the Premier League this yeah. <laughs> It was quite funny. I like that picture as well that's doing the rounds of Louis van Gaal in exactly the same pose as David Moyes was signing those autographs on the first day of the season. But it's that look on his face that's just saying like, hang on a second. And I think that's the actual caption. Someone said, hang on a second, and done like a thought bubble coming out of his head and laid that David Moyes picture in there. It's good. I'll tweet it out from the uh, Roll the Roost account. Um, so, uh, not a lot more to chat about, I think, this evening, mate. It's been, I've, I hope it's been a bit more of a, a return to form. Sorry about, sorry about last week. I'm, no, fuck you. I'm not going to say sorry to you, you sniveling pigs. <laughs> I am sorry. Last week wasn't, uh, last week wasn't that, that. I, I didn't think it was bad, but we, I understand we weren't that up for it, but I was doing it at work and we were actually genuinely a bit sad about Robin Williams and it was the first week of the season. And I'm I'm just gonna stop begging. Should I stop begging, Raj? Should I stop begging for their for their approval? Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't ever listen back to it, so I can't tell you whether it was good or not. I just kind of sit here and talk in a certain manner. I don't think anyone would have noticed whether or not my uh, my demeanour would have changed or not. Um, I don't think my my voice gets any more used than it is at current. So um, I'm not, I'm, I wasn't too fussed to kind of get on with it and leave it. All right, mate. Well, uh, I do what you do, and you do a grand job of that. Um, you, you're you're an asset, Raj. I, I like to think I've 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 found you. You're 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 the bale I pu- I plucked out of uh, the Southampton Youth Academy, and I've placed I've placed in the big time. <laughs> you know me, YouTube celebrity, Tetrunk. Yeah, and what? Um, I don't really think that. People, you know what? People have this fucking warped idea. Some, I, a couple, like about a year or so ago, it was going around on Twitter that I had called myself Twitter's David Beckham, <laughs> and people were <laughs> what? Yeah, and people were actually giving me pelters for that, as if I'd fucking said that. Like that, that I described me and Charlotte as Twitter's posh and becks. Like genuinely, that that was something that genuinely went around. And I mean, of course we are, but I wouldn't ever say that. It's you know, it's for other people to say that. Um, but uh, yeah, um, what's, Jesus, what's, yeah, I, I, I must have missed that one. What's going on on Spurs Statman this week, mate? Um, I, I forgot to put up a piece by Steve today because I was recording <laughs> this. Steve, Steve, I apologise. Um, it'll go up tomorrow and about um, the game. It's a good one. It's his analysis of the game. I'll put it up tomorrow. I apologise. I've literally only just remembered now you said it. Um, and that'll be it. I'm on holiday now for the next couple of weeks. I'm, I'm in that there London um, with the uh, family the next couple of nights. I'm actually going to see Harry Potter land, the, uh, you know, the, the set on that tomorrow, which I'm well excited. Yeah, I do. It's like in the middle um, of Surrey, that, isn't it? Pinewood Studios. Yeah. I think I'll be the third ever brown wizard in the history of Harry Potter when I go down there tomorrow. <laughs> um, after the the Parvati twins, which were literally, I've I've scoured this the films on the the books. The only two brown people that are ever mentioned or ever seen in the, uh, the wizarding world of Harry Potter. Um, other than that, um, we're in London for a little bit, and I'm going to go Portugal. I've got uh, Leeds next weekend as well. Lovely, but just to take you back to a brown wizard, it makes. <laughs> Makes you sound like a man with a penchant for uh, sex of the bottom, I would just say. Just just to interject there, but there you go. Um, well, oh, speaking of that, um, weren't we asked about NASA Chadley? Was that not one of our questions? <laughs> my hero. <laughs> the, the, the man I want my future son to, to grow up and be like, NASA Chadley. Have you, have you seen that picture of a, a young lady with her knickers around her ankles getting, you know, with a gentlemen get the, <laughs> yes, getting a sticky finger in a nightclub that looks it's not a sticky finger it's not a sticky finger it's a sticky willy because i've looked at that photo and you can see both of his hands but you cannot see like you can see the top of his boxes because he's obviously like, yeah, pulled yeah. the front of his pants down he's 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 falling like he's he's part of the pink there he's not even gone in with fingers blimey it looks it looks a hell of a yeah, lot like like so. nasa it looks like Nasser Chadley because it's a tall brown man. Oh, don't 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 don't, like don't be so Chadley. reductive, Raj. I would never make such a such a comparison. He does look a bit like him, like his you know big pointy nose and hairstyle and that. Did you enjoy the series? Did you enjoy the? Did you enjoy the series of about ten vines I made of Nasser Chadley with several different sex I songs? Well, I'm surprised you didn't put blurred <laughs> lines in there. It was crying out for a bit of blurred lines. That was that's all I was thinking, but. 
Yeah, well... Maybe you don't like to support... Yeah, I was going to say you don't like to support misogyny, of course. Why are you tweeting about? (laughs) Um, Whatever his name is. Nasser Chadley. Um, What was our question about Nasser Chadley? Nasser or Nasser? It's Nasser. I'd say Nasser. It's Nasser. Nasser. Um, oh god, I don't want you to start falling out with the uh, the Americans again. You got you got called out for being a racist after going on that <laughs> DeAndre Yedlin, didn't you? Oh, we've even not even mentioned him. Welcome to the club, DeAndre. Yeah, um, people fail to recognise the fact that uh, we we share a, a collected heritage. I made a joke. If you've ever seen the American talk show Maori, where <laughs> essentially. What they're getting is like the the most. It's like their version of Jeremy Kyle, only much funnier. They're getting like uh, one of the hood rats and stuff like that. Who like I genuinely saw it with one woman who went on with about seven or eight different men in the back who'd all been DNA tested to see whether or not they they were the father of her child, and none of them were. And given the small amount of time and the maths it takes to guess who is the father of your child, but given like when it was conceived and whatnot. The fact that there are that many opportunities to find out whether or not you, who's father of your child should kind of give the woman indications that she should be perhaps, you know, keeping her knickers on more often. But I, I made a joke to say that somebody called DeAndre Yedlin sounds like somebody who'd be on Maori screaming that baby don't look like me. Yeah. Um, and people, people didn't see the funny side of that joke. Whereas myself, I, I found it hilarious. I didn't find it hilarious, obviously, because that would make me a racist. But... Doesn't make you a racist, Raj. So you crack on, sir. So. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, it was very funny, and it is always funny to see you fall out with our transatlantic brethren. Um, but yeah, well, as, as I said to you on the night, I just I don't do well with American audiences. I don't think you don't, but neither did Cheryl Cole, and she's northern as well. So maybe it's maybe it's their issue and not yours. That's where you got to look at it, mate. Is that why I'm? Am I the podcast Cheryl Cole? Is that what I am? I think so, yeah. You, you definitely, well, you're not the looker. I'm definitely the looker in this equation, to be honest. Oh, other so. word. All right, Twitter mm, poll now. Twitter poll of our listeners. Who, who would you rather be with me or Jack? Who is the better looking? Who is, who, who's the man you'd rather have? I'm definitely more hung. Definitely. Well, would you, should we both take our own both and photos? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all right. We'll, we'll, we'll have a both them off. That's what we can. That's what we'll call the episode this week. Who, who's the better looking presenter? No, we'll just call it "Who's the better both them." There you go. Yeah. Who's who's the better both them? But that's it. You can you can follow us on Twitter at rtrssm for our banal inane shite. Um, I've also, when I'm not lending my muggy opinions and dulcet tones to rule the roost producing animations and stuff um, with a good lad at Billy T, Billy underscore T. He, uh, don't worry, Raj, I don't love him as much as I love you, but he does listen as well. So hi, Billy, I do love you. Um, You've never allowed me to uh, to write an episode of I your thing for you. I don't, I don't blur the lines, mate. I'm keeping you well away from that. Also, I don't think you're very funny. So, you know, that's it. Really. I do think you're funny. God, you've taken that to heart. Why have you taken that? You're all quiet. I don't like it when people go all quiet when I say horrible things. I'll, I'll let you write something, um, but you can do something. Yeah, I'll, I'll write you. You can do a Danny Rose voice if you want. A 20 want. minute long one that'll take you a year to one minute. I know, you'll do some big rambling, pretentious one, won't you? But uh, no, you can do it. It'll a... be like the, Ver- the Werner Herzog of your. Um, your, <laughs> your, your will, be, will be my. Uh, 
Britain for you. It'll be like Memento. It'll be like only a few people will get it, but those people will enjoy it. I will. I will. Um, but yeah, stop listening now. We're finished. Um, laters. Potatoes. Yeah, I said. Come on, you guys. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.